Hey there, sit down, make yourself comfortable, and grab a cup of tea. Welcome to the 11th episode of Thea's Tea. Thanks for tuning in! Alright, alright, so for this week's episode, I am drinking some hot tea, and it's the same one I had a couple of episodes, which I cannot recall the flavor, but my sister told me she thinks it's lemon, so we're gonna go with that. It's super delicious, and I'm really excited to be drinking it throughout this episode. I'm actually drinking it in a super fun mug with an astronaut that my sister got a couple of months ago. And fun fact, I'd actually never used it before because, you know, she bought it with her own money and it was hers and I didn't want to overstep. But I asked her if I could borrow it and she was like, how have you never used this? So all in all, it's super adorable. If you want to check it out, go on to the podcast Instagram. I will be posting some pics over there. Moving on to the weekly update, I have a couple of things I want to talk about. So first of all, as I'm recording this and as you're listening to this, I am on holiday. I have a week off school and I'm super excited. I know it's not a whole bunch of time, but I am really looking forward to making the most out of it, to enjoying it, living it to the max, working on the podcast and on other projects and really not focusing on school, so I'm really looking forward to this and enjoying it a lot. This episode is actually being recorded in a different way. I have been struggling through the past couple of episodes because I've been using the new microphone I purchased, but I realized that it really didn't register sound that well and my voice sounded super quiet, so yeah, it's been a journey. I'm recording with my normal earphones on my phone and it's been kind of a mess. I hope that you can hear this properly because the podcast is my baby and I want the best for it. So I'm kind of disappointed that things haven't been working out recently, but hopefully this is a positive outcome. This week, I am very excited to be presenting a bonus episode, so stay super tuned for that. I can't wait to share it with you guys. This week, I learned something super important and it was the value of learning to disconnect. So basically, At the end of the day, when I had finished all my schoolwork, all my homework, and when I was just trying to relax, oftentimes I found that difficult because school was always somehow in the picture. Whether it was that I was helping out a friend or I received this email and I couldn't completely just relax, enjoy my life without school, which I think is super important. So it was a bit of a struggle and I wasn't pleased with that. Then I realized... A simple thing I could do to get rid of that feeling of always being sort of a slave to school and that was not checking my school email in the evening so after a certain time I would be like nope I will not check anything any assignments teachers have posted any announcements they have I can check tomorrow morning before I start class it's not the end of the world and I just gave myself that gift I would check my personal email the podcast email And I had no problem with that, but it was really important for me to just take a step back from school and give myself that gift, that gift of not having to be super involved to that. So it was really special and I have been loving applying that in my life and I would definitely recommend it if you also tend to feel like a slave of school. Recently, I have been super excited because I've been signing up to a bunch of courses. 
and a bunch of exciting things that I'm really looking forward to and passionate about. So I can't wait to get them started to begin. And when you're passionate about something and you've got something going your way, I feel like that feeling is really nice when you're just looking forward to it and you can't wait for these things to begin and you feel like your life is just really enjoyable all over. I feel like that is so fun and so happy and it adds sort of a different tint on your life. So I'm really grateful to be having all of these opportunities and to have all of these amazing things coming my way. This week, I also realized something which will seem kind of dumb, but hear me out. And that is that I hate it when people use the like tear-eyed emoji wrong, okay? For me, emojis are sacred. I have very specific uses determined in my head for each and every one of them. So when I see people throwing them around lightly, it really pisses me off. To me, that emoji really represents, you know, like you feel really touched or you're just like, aww. And it's super special. So if you throw it around lightly for something that really doesn't deserve it, for instance, if I do a really simple flavor and it doesn't mean much, it's just... A super random thing and you respond with like thanks in that emoji I mean it's like it's not that big of a deal and I appreciate you being thankful but just don't throw around that emoji so lightly that's something that I feel happens with a lot of things people just overuse them up to the point where they lose all significance and all important meaning which is something really hard to watch it's like when people throw around the phrase I love you all the time when it really is so much more than that, it's so much more special, and if everybody is constantly saying it all the time, when you truly mean it, people won't recognize that. So I hate that habit that people tend to have. The past weekend, I came to terms with something that made me really happy. As I've mentioned before on the podcast, I love slow mornings, and on the weekends, I really just love taking my time and doing things really slowly. And I incorporated a new element into that weekend routine, and it is drinking hot lemon water, which has so many benefits for you, so many health benefits that I will not even get into, but take my word, it's super good for you, apparently. (laughs) And I love doing that for myself because it's the feeling of you knowing that you're taking the time to do something for yourself, that you're taking care of yourself, and it's really empowering to know that. I always love taking care of myself and doing simple acts of self-care, not only because it's fun and I feel good after it, but also because it reminds me that I'm a good person and that I love myself. So I feel like that's really what's powerful within that. So I've been enjoying doing that on the weekends. A feature that I have been recently loving on my phone is the do not disturb one. Now, this has been around for a while and I've used it before. I typically use it at night before I go to bed so I'm like not distracted by anything. But the other day, I accidentally left it on the whole day. And wow, that was such a game changer because I wasn't constantly distracted by all of the notifications that were coming in. And if you don't know what the Do Not Disturb feature does, is that it basically doesn't let your phone light up every time you receive a new notification but if you turn it on yourself then you'll see all of the notifications you've received so to me that's perfect because if i'm focused on something whether it be school or i'm just watching a video and i want to focus then i won't be distracted by the uncalled for notifications that i'm receiving but when i'm done and i decide to look at them they're all there so what i really like is that i feel like it's a very understanding feature because When I don't want to be distracted, when I don't want to 
have my attention taken away from me, it won't be. But when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to see what has happened. All the notifications are there waiting for me. So it really has allowed me to stay focused on things and not be constantly glancing at my phone when it's really not necessary and just replace that with times of me looking at my phone when I'm truly ready for it and when I'm like, okay, this is a time for me to check my phone. So it has definitely made me feel much more peaceful. I haven't gone through the whole week so I can't tell you how my screen time has been impacted but hopefully it has been significantly reduced. As I mentioned a lot on here, balance is key for life and I have really been giving a lot of importance to trying to find that in your life and to finding that middle point that will bring you peace and recently I have discovered that in a new aspect which has been loving the week as much as I love the weekend. In the world, I feel like you can see so many working adults that seem to only live for the weekend and throughout the whole week, they're just looking forward to the weekend and I feel like that's really unfair to themselves. They're living a life that only brings them happiness in the weekend. So I have always tried to strive to the opposite end of that and recently I've just been really grateful for myself for the way I live my life because I think it's really balanced and in the week I have these activities scheduled and I do all these things in a certain way and in the weekend I do pretty different things. So that balance has really made me appreciate everything and I appreciate the week as much as the weekend because they're both different and I have things I like in each one of them. I feel like a life where you only rest or where you only work really isn't enjoyable. You need to have both of those to be able to appreciate them and you need to have time working so that you can appreciate the weekend but you also need to have time resting so that you can appreciate your work and it's really just a game of pulling and letting go so that you really find that balance and that middle point that brings you satisfaction. To close off this weekly update I wanted to talk a bit about the Black Lives Matter movement this movement has definitely not died down just because social media is a little bit more quiet. I feel like it's still an ongoing conversation and it deserves the acknowledgement it has received over the past few weeks. So I am definitely not the best person to talk about this. I don't have the most experience and I'm not the most knowledgeable. So I've been looking through different resources and learning from people who have much more powerful voices and have and people who have been through so much more and can convey so much more than I possibly could on this topic. So I would like to share a couple of resources that I have enjoyed. Like everything else I mentioned in this episode, it will be linked in the show notes. So first I wanted to talk about a video called Flight Attendant Teaches Racist Passenger a Lesson and it's by Prince EA. I love every video he makes because he transmits very empowering and important messages through a sort of rap thing <laughs> going on. So it's really entertaining to listen to and it's super catchy. Not like you're going to be humming it down the street, but it really makes you engage. And the videos are also filmed in a very professional form. So overall, it's just a really engaging piece of content and everything he shares through his platform leaves me with my mouth open and I feel like it can really get to anyone. So if you're struggling with someone who doesn't really understand a certain aspect or a certain movement, I feel like referring them to these videos is super helpful and yeah, I just, it's super short, you can watch it and it will really 
make you see things through a different perspective. Not only that video, but everything he creates. The other thing I wanted to share with you is this TED talk. Now, TED has a PRX profile where they upload podcasts every day, which are new ideas and things. So one I particularly enjoyed was let's get to the root of social injustice. And it was really talking about racism and all of that stuff, but from a different approach. And I found that it was really interesting because recently we have all been bombarded with the importance of education, but this one takes a slightly different approach and it gives you a different perspective on things. So it really left me thinking and it was refreshing to hear something different to what everybody else was saying from a person who knows so much and who is so experienced and it definitely opened my eyes a bit more so I recommend you checking those two things out. Let's talk about my weekly favorites. So this week I bring to you a podcast, an online creator and a book. So for the podcast it is called Call Me Candid with Hailey Pham and Lillianne, which are best friends. You may know Hailey Pham from her YouTube channel. So I really love this podcast. When I first came across this podcast, I was super happy because I had loved Hailey Pham. So realizing that she had yet another platform, which meant more engagement with her and listening to her more, made me super happy. And this podcast is basically a really chit-chat podcast and I love best friend podcasts as co-hosts because the dynamic between them is always super fun and you always feel like you're one of them and you feel really included like in their friendship so I really enjoy them and this one is very cool because both of them are at a very similar point in their lives. Lillianne was just married and Hailey Pham is engaged. So they talk about their life and they recently moved to the same state together. So you just kind of get an insight on their whole journey, on their whole friendship, on all of their lives. And it's really fun. It's a really nice opportunity to just chill kick back, listen to what they have to say in a very carefree form. So I would definitely recommend it if you're looking for a light podcast to enjoy. For my online creator, I bring to you Nina Wang. Now, I love her so, so much. She definitely passes the vibe check. And I feel like that is something really important with YouTubers. They can make whatever content it is, but if you're not compatible with them and if you don't like them as a person, or match their personality, then that really brings everything down. So since I love Nina's personality so much, I will literally watch any video that she posts and enjoy it so much. The particular thing about her is that she goes to MIT. So a lot of her videos revolve around that and her college life and everything, which is such an inspiration to me. And as I said, she just has a really nice personality. She's super cool, she's funny and it kind of feels like you're her best friend or like you really want to be her best friend <laughs> because I just think she's super cool and a genuine person, a really hard worker and all of those things are really transmitted through her videos so it's very inspiring to watch and I enjoy it so so much. This week's book is Paper Towns by John Green. Now I'm kind of shocked I still haven't read this because I feel like there was a period in time where this book was just receiving so much hype and it was all over the place and I really wanted to read it, but now I finally got around to doing so and I have enjoyed it so much. 
It's the first book ever I read by John Green, and may I just say, I love the way he writes. Now, it was kind of like a shock for me when I started reading this book because I had just finished Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and I had been reading it for a really long time, and I had gotten super used to the way J.K. Rowling wrote. So when I switched to this super different kind of literature, it was hard for me to adjust, not gonna lie, at the beginning I was like, whoa, and nothing similar has ever happened to me, and I am completely in love with the way that John Green writes, at least in this book, because he really establishes a good connection between the characters and you, and he writes in like an almost casual way, which makes you feel like it's just a conversation between the narrator and you, so that's something that I really appreciate as a reader, it makes anything so much more fun to read and I've really been appreciating this book. I'm on page 96 and I have enjoyed it a lot. So if you haven't read it, I would recommend. It's super fun, it's lighthearted and it's great to take your mind off serious things that are happening in your life and invest yourself in a book, get completely wrapped up in the story. It's really fun and unexpected and it makes you think that you, it makes you feel like you wanna live a really cool life, you know? So I definitely have been enjoying it and check it out. Now, let's finally start talking about the topic for this episode, which, as you can tell by the title, is the importance of dissatisfaction. Before I begin, I wanted to mention a few resources that inspired me to do this. The first one is a TED Talk, which is called How to Turn Your Dissatisfaction into Action. Now, I came across this through the podcasts of TED where they post different fragments of different TED Talks every day. And it's really cool because what they post about is really relevant today, even though the TED Talks occurred a while ago. So they do a really good job finding things that fit the current situation. And that TED Talk really inspired me because it's a mentality that I have been having for a while. And I finally found somebody else who related and the achievements this woman has done are so inspiring. I definitely cannot match them, at least at this point in my life, but it's really inspiring and motivating to see people overcome hardships in a really positive way and take a negative situation and turn it into something completely positive. So if you enjoy the topic of this episode, I definitely recommend checking that TED Talk out for a bit of extra insight. Another thing I wanted to bring up is a quote from a video I was watching the other day by Rowena Tsai. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but she said that in discomfort and pain lies opportunities to improve. And I think that is 100% true. I will elaborate on that throughout the whole episode, but that perspective is really important. Obstacles are put in your way as a test to see how you react to them, if you overcome them, if you ignore them. And you have to be really brave to look them in the face and find a way to solve them. So it's definitely a skill to learn and to cultivate, which is what I'm gonna be talking about today. But I feel like that quote is a really great introduction to what I wanna talk about in this episode. Another thing that I really liked was this video by BBC Ideas. And it was talking about the impact that past crises have had on the planet and kind of inviting to question how coronavirus was going to change us, which 
definitely got me thinking and I took that to a very particular example in life and it's whenever you go through a crisis, whenever each person has a problem in their life, how they let that transform them, how they bring it to their life, how they react to it and again every crisis is an opportunity for you to make something better. So you have to ask yourself if you're willing to do that. The last thing I wanted to mention was a video by Ingrid Nielsen where she is interviewing a mental health specialist, which is called Let's Talk About Mental Health. And it's like a 20 minute interview. And I really liked a specific point that she talked about, which was what she called functional anxiety versus dysfunctional anxiety. So functional anxiety is when you're nervous about something and you're stressed about something but you take that energy and cultivate it in a positive way for instance with the worldwide crisis and coronavirus some people get really worried about that but that leads them to take extra care of themselves to put on a face mask to wash your hands consistently so that is an example of when you take a negative situation and you harvest that energy in something that will benefit you, which is really what I'm trying to aim at in this episode. The idea that dissatisfaction is so important stemmed within me in a part of my life where I realized that my best work came when I was uncomfortable. Now, that was a really big shocker for me because I had heard so many people be like, no, to produce good work, you have to be at peace, you have to be happy, you have to be calm. But I realized that when I was stressed and anxious, that led me to put more effort to work harder because I wanted to prove to myself that I was capable. And I feel like that was so empowering and it really led me to start believing this and to want to start harvesting this mentality So even though it was different to what the people around me would typically assume and I started to acknowledge the way I work more practically, so I was aware of that and when I started having these slumps, I would find ways to cultivate that energy better. So in the midst of dealing with all of that, I had a really important realization and it was that I couldn't let myself run from self-confrontation. When I started having like these doubts within my work and thinking, is this really the best I can do? Is this really the best way I'm preparing for my exam? Is this really the best project I can put out? I started to realize that we tend to run away from that and we tend to avoid those types of negative conversations with ourselves because we can't avoid them. When other people are telling these things to us, we can't just run out of their face. But when we're doing that with ourselves, it's a much more viable option. So you will always be your strongest critic. Your inner critic is so powerful and so harsh, but it sometimes has good points. So if you learn to listen to them and to pay attention to them, you'll realize that they're really an orientation for you to make the best things you possibly can. And they're just a little voice inside of you trying to guide you the best way possible. So all of that really led me to understand that you should let the dissatisfaction lead you to create better. Once you understand that you have to live with it and you have to listen to these thoughts emerging within you. So when I started wondering about my work, I would listen to that with a very open mind and understand that the only reason that feeling of discomfort was there was to push me, 
to push me to do the best I possibly could. And once you realize that, which is what I managed to do, it really gives you a different shift and it lets you be more open to criticism, both internal and external, and be so much more mature in the way that you don't feel hurt when people tell you negative things or things you can work on because you know that it's what will lead you to improve and that you need to listen to these things to find what your weaknesses are and figure out a way to work on them. Mind you, I definitely still struggle with this a bit today and it's not so fun <laughs> to listen to people tell you what the bad things about you are, but it definitely is important and we need to learn to manage that and to live with that because it's what will guide us to be our best selves. So I'm still learning that, but I have come somewhat <laughs> down the road. So I really think that I need to empower this message more. In order to understand this whole topic better, I feel like it's important to understand how we usually react to dissatisfaction. The first thing I have noticed is that we tend to run from it in the opposite direction because we don't like the idea that we could be doing more. We tend to have a lot of faith in ourselves and we tend to be hard workers for most things. So when we realize that we kind of failed in a certain aspect, it doesn't, we don't like the idea too much. So what do we do? We avoid it because we can, it's in our head. We can just turn around and pretend it never happened because that's more comfortable for us. We really don't like thinking that we're bad, that we could have done more, that we slacked off. It's just uncomfortable to think about and it's human nature, it's totally normal. And that's kind of like the default we're born with. So it's always the first way we react, which makes it hard for us to shift that mentality. We have to take time and little by little start switching that so that we can end up with a better reaction towards it but my point is don't be too hard on yourself when you realize this is your behavior because it's the way we're born and we have to take the initiative ourselves to fix that because all in all it is uncomfortable and it is a not so fun conversation to have. So we need to manually change that within ourselves and find a way for us to be open to this criticism and open to have these honest conversations with ourselves because it isn't a fun idea, but we need to find a way to live with it. Another thing I have noticed is that we are a bit mediocre even if we don't like to admit it. When we think that we're doing everything well and somehow realize we actually aren't, our first choice is usually the most comfortable. As I said, we tend to automatically run to the easiest option and the option that will hurt us the less. And that is because we have these great images of ourselves and we think that we're always super hardworking, but the reality is for some things we aren't. It's impossible to be 100% hardworking in every single aspect. So when we come to terms that maybe we're not giving our all in one certain thing, then that's uncomfortable for us because we think that we're amazing and we think that we're perfect and we think that we are absolute gods but when we're forced to confront the fact that maybe that's not true it gets uncomfortable and when things get uncomfortable our human nature is to run to the easiest option so where does that stem from where does our nature of thinking we're the best come from 
It typically stems from childhood when we're taught by our parents or by our teachers that we are the best, that we have so much potential. And obviously these people, these figures in our lives do that with very positive intentions and in a very loving way and in a very caring way. And I don't blame them. You know, it's easy to think that these positive messages are what growing children need. But that can typically lead to the extreme where we think that we are absolutely perfect. So when we begin to question that, it can lead to a full-on identity crisis. So when we're forced to think and to confront that maybe we're not doing our best, it's a shock within us because we think that we always have been the best. So how could we not be the best right now? And that will lead us to the easier path where we just want to ignore it. But if you really want growth and improvement, then you need to face it and you need to have these honest conversations with yourself. So this nature of always expecting to be the best usually isn't our fault. It comes from positive and encouraging messages that are blown upon us at a young age and they kind of stick with us. And if you have a really good self-esteem, then it's the default setting you have. And I'm not telling you to hate yourself and to think that you're terrible but you can't let that idea make you biased, you know? You need to make sure that when the situation comes, you're able to objectively analyze your outcome and your development. It's you and you want the best for you, but sometimes you need to have a really honest look and a really sincere look and forget that it's you and think of it as if it were another person and question, were you really doing the best? Why are you unsatisfied? Why are you not comfortable? Having understood where all of these feelings can come from, I think it's important to talk about how we can transform that reaction into a positive outcome. As you guys know, I love providing tangible and practical solutions within my episodes. So that's exactly what I'm going to do now. I'm going to set like a base example so that we can really see how all of this would come into play. So let's say you handed in a project and you really didn't like the way it turned out. You just weren't completely in love with it and you weren't completely proud of it. So that is an example of dissatisfaction. And that's kind of where we're in the starting point. So my first tip is to force yourself to confront the doubts that begin to arise. So you're in this position, you realize that you don't love your work. But I mean, it's too late. You already have to turn it in. So once you start having these uncomfortable feelings, your first reaction could be to talk yourself out of it and be like, no, I was on a time crunch, you know, and start making excuses for yourself. But that's not the way to go. That's an example of the easy path. But we need to take the hard path if we want to grow. So this is where you look at yourself and you think where it went wrong. So it could be useful if you retraced all the steps you took for this project in your head and you're like okay first I had to come up with the idea how was this process well maybe I could have improved this maybe I was so rushed into getting started with it that I didn't take the proper time to plan maybe I just wanted to get started and I took the first idea that came into my head even though it was very basic very generic and it wasn't original or unique that could be one problem. Or maybe another problem could be that in the process, you saw that all of your classmates were finishing up super quickly and you didn't want to be dedicating any more time to that. So you slacked off towards the end 
and it made your project overall look very sloppy. Maybe another flaw that you could detect was that you were really stressed for time the whole way through and you didn't and you had a bunch of other things going on so you didn't want to invest a lot of time into this project so the whole process was really messy and you didn't dedicate yourself completely to anything so it was something that was overall present in your process so after you've identified whichever flaw that was if it was just one flaw or it even could be multiple flaws once you've determined it and you have a very specific example, we can start to move on. This process is super important because if you don't know exactly what went wrong, then you can't provide a solution for it. If you just tell yourself, oh yeah, I didn't do well in this project, that won't give you anything. You need to pinpoint exactly what it was because if you tell yourself that you did wrong in general, then you can't, it's really hard to fix something general, but it's much more effective to fix specific points. And most likely, you didn't do bad in the whole project, but just in a specific part. Like I mentioned, there are specific points that you could have messed up. So it's important to identify which one of those it was. Once you have that clear, it's time to make tangible plans. So let's take the first example that I mentioned. The example where you didn't like your idea. You could tell yourself, okay, next time I'm going to take more time to brainstorm. I'm going to let my mind run free any idea that comes into my mind, I will take it into consideration no matter how crazy it is so that I can really come up with an interesting idea. If you think that the problem was you were getting too worried about other people, then you can tell yourself, okay, next time I won't be concerned about other people. I won't ask my friends how they're doing with their project to not be clouded with that vision. And whenever I feel I hear people talking about the project around me, I will try to tune out to not be distracted by it and to focus solely on my journey. If your problem was the whole time crunch, then you're going to tell yourself, OK, I want to be putting out the best work that I possibly can. So I'm not going to take that away from myself. A good project requires time and I know that I want to make a really good project. So I'm going to put in all the time that's necessary and I'm not gonna fight that. Some examples of stuff that I've done in the real life, in my real life, are that at one point I felt really uncomfortable because I had always been told that I was a dedicated person, but um, when I was exposed to a new environment, I realized that there were so many people that were much more dedicated than I was. So that led me to have a bit of an identity crisis. So what I did was grab a piece of paper and with markers and fun stuff, write a game plan. And I stuck that in my closet so that I could see it every day. And I basically told myself, thing, told myself effective things I would do. Like whenever I am embarking on a new project, I will do research to make myself really connect with it and just a bunch of specific tasks. And then after over a year, I looked at myself and I was like, okay, I genuinely think I've accomplished this. And I took it down. And then a new worry arose. And it was that I felt like I wasn't involved enough with the world around me. I felt like I wasn't a good citizen because I wasn't aware of what was happening in the world. So I made a new game plan and it was very specific things. It was like every day I'm going to read the news nationally and internationally. When I have time in the week, I will watch the real news. Once every two weeks, I will watch a documentary and 
a lot of stuff like that, which were very specific and I could hold myself accountable for them. Because if you have something more vague, then it's really hard to tell yourself if you did it or if you didn't. And you can find many more loopholes. But if it's very specific things like those, then it's easier to be on track or identify when you're not on track. That game plan eventually shifted a bit. When I started quarantine, I found new ways that I could learn by engaging in podcasts, which would teach me and watching informative videos. So it's different to what I had initially said, but I am definitely on track with these alternative methods that I have found. So all of that is a bit to show you how important making tangible plans is. Along with that, something that could help is to make a true commitment and hold yourself accountable. If you need help, you can get something like a sponsor. So obviously this journey is within you and you need to be really on top of yourself and honest with yourself if you see yourself slacking off. But if you feel like you need that extra push, then something that I often go towards is having a sponsor. So somebody that I really trust, my mom or my sister or a close friend or my dad, and I tell them about what's going on and what I want to fix. So I give them the power to tell me if they see me slacking off, if they see me behaving in a way that contradicts what I want as a goal, then I tell them, you know, call me out, tell me I need this help and I want to achieve this. So if you're willing to guide me and to be with me throughout the whole process, I would really appreciate it. And again, it has to be somebody you really trust and that you really know will be there for you in a non-judging way, but will also tell you the things you need to hear. So it's really nice to have that support if you feel like it's necessary. Now that we understand the nature of dissatisfaction, how we react to it and how we should react to it, I think that it's important to just analyze a few other things and really understand where dissatisfaction can come from in our hearts and understand that it's actually quite beautiful. So I reached the conclusion that dissatisfaction comes from our human desire to be the best. And that's quite inspiring, if you ask me. So it's kind of like there's this fire within your heart and it always wants you to be the best. So if it realizes that something isn't working out well, it gets stronger to call your attention, to grab your attention and point to the thing that you're not doing well enough. Now, it can seem annoying, it can seem like a nag, but if you listen to it, then it will help you become better because the whole reason it's there it's, is because it wants you to improve because that's our human desire. We want to improve and we want to grow. So it's just a matter of tuning into that and actually listening to it. Another thing that I realized is that we have to learn to live harmoniously and in balance with that. Dissatisfaction cannot be taken to the extremes. If you don't listen to it at all, then you're going to be in a slump and you're not going to improve at all. But if you listen to it too much, then that could lead to you being super stressed and being super hard on yourself. But if you find that middle point where you listen to it in moderation when it is truly necessary and when you truly feel that you need to hold yourself accountable, then that will be beneficial. So you need to find and learn a way to live with that. Something that I have realized is that when we're in that initial point where we don't listen to this voice telling us to do better, it's kind of like we're living in a fairy tale fantasy where we think we're perfect, we think we've got everything under control, but the reality is that we've got some flaws. However, we don't face that because it's so much more comfortable for us to live in this happy fairy tale. And then when we start to take a bit of a look 
and analyze these things, we realize that we do in fact have things to work on. And it's an uncomfortable process, but that is what ultimately will lead us towards perfection, not to perfection because we're human and we can't be perfect, but it will embark us on a journey where we can be a bit more perfect and get a bit closer to that. And it's kind of ironic because when we think we're perfect, we're actually not. And the only way to move towards perfection is by denying that. So it's a journey and it's a step we have to take if it's what we want. We have to learn to listen to our bodies. When it has wishes to transform, listen to them. Your body is the most wise factor within you. If you're thirsty, that's your body's way of telling you that you're dehydrated and the that you need to drink a bit. It's the same with emotions, with any type of emotion, specifically dissatisfaction. If your body is crying out to you, it's asking for help. So you need to nurture it and you need to listen to it and act upon what it's telling you. It's also important to realize that you need to let all of this come from a place of understanding, self-love and compassion. Remember that this journey is for you. You want to improve, you want to grow, you want to be better. So it's important to hold yourself accountable and to be strict when you need to, but make sure that you love yourself in the process, that you don't let your faith within you stumble and that you remember all the time that everything you're doing, every correction you're making for yourself is from a place of love and that you want to become better. So don't let yourself start to beat yourself up and to be super harsh with you because that's not going to let you improve. To improve, you need to be in a nature where you love yourself and where you are treating yourself in a good way so that you don't feel that extra pressure to improve. If it comes from a place that you're loving yourself and you're constantly reminding yourself of that, that's where you will actually be able to improve. If you're super harsh to yourself all the time, that's not going to get you anywhere. So to summarize, I want to point out a few specific things that hopefully you will take away from this episode. It's just the most important learnings that I have picked up. Number one, we need to learn to understand these emotions and build a life that includes them. Build a life around your dissatisfaction, a life where you can listen to it and act upon it, not a life where you're constantly suppressing them and ignoring them. Number two, we tend to react to dissatisfaction in a negative way, but deep down, we know it will help us. So stop running, stop ignoring what your body is asking you. Your body is asking you for these things because it knows it's what you need. So learn to look at these things in the face and find a way that you can apply them in your life. Don't avoid them just because it's the most comfortable thing. Number three, take that negative and hurtful energy and transform it to something that will benefit you and make you proud. The thing is, you have this energy, so you can waste it on being yourself up or on being super harsh on yourself, or you could cultivate it into something that will benefit you more, which means transforming that energy into action that will benefit you working harder the next time or making that change you told yourself you need to do you have that energy so you can choose to waste it by doing something that will not benefit you or make the most out of it by doing something that will help you number four love yourself all of this dissatisfaction has a purpose to make you better but take it one step at a time don't let yourself be overwhelmed by all the things you think you need to fix Take them step by step. As I said, I had one game plan for a long time. And then when I felt like I had overcome it, 
I designed another one. So you really have to be patient with yourself. I don't know whether it's a good thing to start working on everything at once, but I personally believe that it's better if you just focus all of your energy into one thing until you really fix it and you really make it stable and then you start working on other things. Again, what should reign this whole process is self-love, self-compassion. You should hold yourself accountable, but respect yourself as you do it. And it's possible to do both. Learning doesn't mean that you are super hard on yourself. You can learn and you will learn so much better in a position where you are understanding towards yourself, understanding towards your journey and understanding towards your faults. It is possible. I have not reached, reached that point myself, but I am trying to build a life where I can hold myself accountable coming from a very loving place. So I think that wraps up everything I talked about in a really good way. Hopefully you can apply these things to your journey and you got something out of it. Well, that's about it for this episode. Don't forget to follow the podcast Instagram. It's at Dasty Podcast, linked in the show notes. I'm very active on there. It's a visually aesthetic platform built with interactive spaces for us. Also, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe, <laughs> whatever your platform lets you do. It would help me out a lot. Go ahead and share this podcast with any friends or family you think will like it. I would love it for you to share your thoughts on this podcast. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor or through my email, theastpodcast at gmail.com, also listed in the show notes. You can reach out for business inquiries and set up sponsorships through there as well. Thanks for tuning in. Have a beautiful week. Thank you.